Excuse me, Veronica. <clears throat> yes, what is it, Brick? I would like to extend to you an invitation to the pants party. Excuse me? The party, the pants with the pants. Party with pants. And welcome to the Pants Party. My name is Jerry Sherwin, and I am a blogger for Black Heart Gold Pants. Joining me on the other line, he's the managing editor for Black Heart Gold Pants and master scratcher of all things that itch, Max Brecky. Max, what's going on? Hey, how's it going? It's good to be talking to you guys. We finally have come up with the new and official Pants Podcast. This is pretty exciting stuff. Yeah, it was a year in the making. It only took us a, almost over a full calendar year, but the demand for it was actually, actually it existed. So here we are. Shocking that we have fans that want to read and listen to us. It, it impresses me every day. <laughs> but no, yeah, we, have, get it. we have a pretty exciting week. It's football's back. and It, it surely is. And today we got a depth chart to discuss, and it kind of just fell right into our laps. Right off the bat, Nathan Stanley was named as your starter for the Iowa Hawkeyes, Max, this is pretty amazing news given the fact that Kirk Ferentz hasn't started a sophomore quarterback since 2004 when Drew Tate took over. What are you expecting from week one from Nathan Stanley? And are you a little nervous that he might be looking over his shoulder based on how close his competition was? I'm not so nervous as he's looking over his shoulder for it. I think that, you know, he got this job last year as the backup. He's got the job this year going into the season. So I think he's going to have the confidence. I think that... What they're going to do in week one, at least, is they're going to let the running game kind of take over and let the running game ease him into the season. Because Wyoming, they don't they don't have a great running defense. Last year, they got absolutely torched on the ground. The, the defense is, it's, it's like borderline Big 12, but probably not even good enough to be a Big 12 defense. At least last year. Some of the point totals that they gave up, which it's like hard to do that almost. Yeah, they gave up, what, 52 points to Nebraska in week one of last season, so... Yeah, and then 66, I think, in an overtime game to UNLV. Yeah, it's surely not great. <laughs> not good, not great, but we have a quarterback that I agree. I think Iowa's going to be looking to hand off early and often, and as they should. The offensive line, based on the depth chart, is exactly what we all kind of predicted it was going to be. All five returning starters are going in there, no matter how much tinkering they tried to do during fall practice. But when you have somebody like Akram Wadley and James Butler behind him, Brian Ferentz should just hand over the rock and let him do their work. Yeah, and that's probably what he's going to do. The run defense last year was phenomenal. The pass defense was not that great, especially on the outside. But the run def- or run blocking, pardon me, was great. And I think that after he, you know, he's going to probably mix in some play action passes, and that's going to kind of get Stanley accustomed to life as a starter out here. This has Brian Ferentz written all over it. This move, and I think if Brian wasn't here, that Uyghurs would ultimately have this job. That's just me. I obviously everybody knows out there from some of the stuff that I've written lately. You guys all kind of give me a hard time for it. I am the biggest Brian Ferentz believer. I think in the Hawkeye Twitterverse. But I think Brian really believes in what Stanley can do. I think he knows that he is one of those quiet leaders. But even like Doyle is preaching how much work he puts in. And when Doyle's praising you, I think that goes a long way to kind of push Brian Ferentz and Kirk Ferentz to make this decision happen. The big arm definitely helps, especially with some of the receivers on the outside. We don't really know what we're going to get outside of Vandenberg. But if Stanley can just be consistent on target, 
he's definitely going to be able to impress some people, I feel like. Yeah, and I think that's the big thing is that he does have that arm. He does have the playmaking ability. And I think that in order to kind of get the playmaking ability out of the rest of the wide receivers and Noah Fant at tight end and whoever else they decide that they're going to throw out there, I think that in order to get that playmaking ability to come out, you need to have somebody who's willing to throw the ball deep can make those big throws with the big arm. Yeah, absolutely. I'm with you. Outside of Stanley being named, I think we all kind of expected this, that it was going to happen, especially after that practice game that they had and Uyghurs was, I don't know, like two for something. It wasn't very good. Um, was there anybody else on the offensive or defensive depth chart that kind of surprised you a little bit? Uh, I'm a little bit surprised, surprised right now that uh, Matt Quarles is number two, or he's, he's an or. He's an or. He's a star he, or. Yeah, so he's an or, so. I was a little bit surprised that he was up there on the top of the death chart just so early because Kirk made it sound like he might not make it uh, into game action until October. But other than that, nobody really surprised me on this week one death chart. It's got to be something to do with his blocking. I know that that was kind of the thing that they wanted and liked about him. I know that's what he did a lot of um, at New Mexico. That's always going to get in the good graces of that coaching staff. And it's weird seeing that on that that second wide receiver line, it's Nick Easley, Devonta Young, and then the asterisk, Matt Quarles. Um, that's, a, that's a lot of guys. For some reason, everybody's kind of concerned about the actual depth of the receiving core, but there's obviously talent around. And one of those guys, I think, are going to eventually surprise you. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. I mean, none of the starters are surprising. There's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of returners, the uh, quarterback, everybody kind of assumed Stanley was going to be there. And outside of that, maybe Miguel Racinos being the starting kicker might be the most surprising thing on the star- depth chart in terms of starters. Kicker watch taking out Duncan, the Michigan yeah. man. Yeah, especially after last season when he was basically the starter all year and then suddenly something's changed, I guess. I would I would wonder if somebody in like camp, I wish they would have done maybe this mic'd up based on kind of what happened with the Tampa Bay Bucks and Hard Knocks. I wonder if there's like a kicking competition and there's somebody like AJ and I don't know, Josie Jewell talking mad shit about maybe Keith Duncan going wide right over and over and over again, just getting in his head. And Racinos is just like loving life and kicking it right through the middle of the field goal. (laughs) That very well could be it. I don't know, because Keith was pretty reliable last year. And for him to, he went like five of nine, I think it was, during uh, Kids Day. Yeah. And uh, I know that Racinos was perfect to Kids Day, but... Five of nine is certainly not what you want from your starter, especially in a practice setting. Yeah, that's definitely a Guayo-like. That's definitely a Guayo-like. Let's transition over to the defense. AJ Espinosa is on the depth chart. I think we all have come to expect that he is going to be able to go out there in the first game and kind of make a name for himself. It's interesting to see how much his name being there and him being ready to play has kind of solidified that defensive front four because they were able to move Matt Nelson over a little bit to defensive tackle, and that's just kind of made everything better in terms of who's behind who and making sure that somebody's going to be there eventually in November that it's still going to ultimately have gas in the tank. Yeah, at the beginning of the kind of offseason, everybody was talking about how Iowa didn't have any depth at all on the defensive line and outside of the defensive ends, but with Epinesa really making a name for himself in uh, camp, that really, you know, moving Nelson inside, that really solidifies the inside especially. He's, he's a backup to uh, Budgeta, but if Budgeta ever, you know, doesn't play or, you know, he can take a couple of plays off and you've got somebody big in there that can, you know, hold 
that can plug up those holes. Super important, especially with how Iowa runs their defense. You need to be able to get that pass rush with just those front four. The bend but don't break is definitely in effect here. And I think that those guys, those front four, and the people that are behind them are going to ultimately be able to do so. I'm excited to see what kind of pressure they can put on Josh Allen this coming week. Um, Because last year he had 15 picks. And if they can get him under pressure, he can move and he can't throw on the run. But he has been known to throw the ball up for grabs too. And I think our secondary does have some ball hawks. Unfortunately, the most important one is sitting out because of reasons. But um, Reasons unknown. Reasons is known, but it's it's definitely there. The defense should be able to hold down Wyoming. And I know we're kind of going back and forth here, but it is Wyoming week. I think they're going to be able to kind of control the game and make sure Josh Nelson doesn't hurt them too much. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Josh Allen. Uh, Allen. Yep. Sorry. Matt yeah, Nelson, no, Josh was, Allen. I was sitting there. I was a little bit confused for a second. Uh, so what we were talking about, but uh, yeah, no, just if you get pressure on somebody, then they're much more prone to just kind of throw it up there for grabs and he doesn't seem like that kind of quarterback who's going to be throwing it out of bounds on every single play he seems more like that gunslinger you know Brett Favre type of person not saying that he'll be as good as Brett Favre or that he is as good as Brett Favre or somebody of the sort but he seems to have that mentality when you look at his stat line Josh Allen is Brett Favre I think put the headline up now who's writing that post this week uh I mean maybe it's me (laughs) Jonah will throw a couple gifts in there for you don't worry perfect Outside of that, Brandon Smith was on, you know, behind behind Matt Vandenberg. I'm kind of curious about the freshman. I think everybody's kind of curious about what the freshmen are going to ultimately give. Outside of AJ Espinessa and Brandon Smith, are you anticipating being blown away by any freshman that's kind of found their way on the step chart? Not so much. I don't feel as though I don't really think that anybody's going to make it uh, into a starting position, at least from that angle. So maybe it's going to be a wide receiver just because. Last year, they used they threw out every wide receiver pretty much on the whole roster, and nobody really stuck. So if that seems to be an issue again this year, then I could see a freshman or two making an impact there. But for the most part, all of the positions are manned, other than maybe cornerback, where you might see a little bit of turnover. The two guys, too, that you definitely want to keep a watch on, especially with the way that the offensive line kind of had people subbing in and out last year based on you know game or two injuries, um, is Tristan Wirfs, who's found his way on the on there. Um, I think we're all blown away with his athletic ability and physical ability in that mic'd up video with the freshman. That dude is a monster. He is a large human being. It's it's shocking almost to kind of just see somebody of that stature at Iowa because these are the guys that Kirk should ultimately be getting for his propensity to put these type of kids in the league. And the fact that he's here and learning from those guys, it's – and that he's solidified himself as just a freshman already. Like this is this is huge for you know the next multiple years, whether he plays this year or not. The fact that he's ready to go. Yeah, he just watching those videos. He looks like an NFL body, and he just stepped on campus what a month or two ago. It's absolutely ridiculous how big he is, and how he's only going to become a force over there. Hopefully, a tackle. He might be the next big left tackle, and uh, for Iowa to go to the NFL. Yeah, protecting the blind side. It's what he does. Him and Stanley going to develop a nice report. That would be nice. That would be excellent. So let's talk a little bit about Akram Wadley. We already know what we're getting with him behind in the backfield, but I'm curious on your thoughts about him being the number one kick returner. There seemed to be some buzz today of on Twitter that I noticed, at least people getting a little upset with him. He might get injured. They're already the boo birds. 
What are your thoughts about Wadley going back there and feeling some kicks? I'm a big fan of the idea, first and foremost. I think that it's a great idea. He's, you know, the most explosive player on this team. He can make guys miss in uh, space. You know, he's got the great speed. He's the perfect example of what you want to be returning kickoffs. The only problem would be, you know, what everybody's talking about is, what if he gets hurt? And I feel as though that's a risk that you have to take, you know, even when they're on the field in their normal position. What if this person gets hurt? And if you want to give yourself the best chance to win, you have to put your best athletes at a specific position that they will excel at and they'll help your team at. And he's really going to help the team in kickoffs. Yeah, you want to get that guy the rock. And the all-purpose yards matter just as much as the yards in the backfield. And if Wadley can flip the field and get a return in to the 30, you guys are already sitting pretty. Like, Wadley should be able to. Wadley and Butler both, probably, behind that line should be able to be able to get you to flip that field position, which we know Kirk loves the most. Punting and bending but not breaking on the defense are going to win Iowa football games. And that's ultimately super important. And Wadley seemed to be wanting to do it. This is something that I think he pushed for. And he obviously went out there and proved the coaching staff that he's capable. Yeah, and I mean, last year Desmond King did it. DJK did it at one point. You know, the big playmakers at Iowa have all done it. I think Martin Manley did punts a couple years ago. Yeah, he's the one that returned a couple in the same game against uh, Western Michigan. So, you know, they've had, they've had a history of putting their big playmakers in kickoff and punt return duties. And it's paid off for them in the past. I don't know what people are upset about right now. Never forget DJK at Ohio State flipped that game back to at least Iowa's favorite. That's one of those things that I, I will never soon forget. And yeah, you're right. Just putting the playmakers in positions to make plays. Like that's that's it's football, baby. That's football. That's that is football. Outside of you know the depth chart, it's been an off season. We've had some things happen. We've seen some things. What are you anticipating from Iowa as a whole? We had a we kind of ran it this past week. Um, I kind of what the Blackheart Gold Pants staff's predictions were. But as the managing editor of the site, where are you expecting Iowa to be and how do they start against Wyoming? Yeah, so when I predicted Iowa, this was a week and a half ago. Now, I think I said eight and four. Yeah, I said eight and four overall, five and four conference. So, I mean, obviously there's always a chance that that doesn't happen. I think that that was probably the best possible outlook at least the way that i'm seeing it i don't think that they're going to be better than eight and four i hope that they prove me wrong but i think that that's kind of the high watermark for this team this season is eight and four five and four conference maybe you know six and three conference if they win a game that they shouldn't and then lose a game uh non-conference because it has been known to happen on occasion here in iowa city when you initially looked at the schedule, did you automatically count Wyoming as a win? Did you have to think about it a little bit? Were you nervous at all that they were coming into town after what happened with North Dakota State? When I initially saw Wyoming, when I looked ahead maybe a year ago, when I was just kind of looking at schedules uh, and seeing who they had on the table and what was going to happen, I saw Wyoming and I was like, oh, whatever, it's Wyoming, it doesn't matter, because I wasn't really paying any attention to them. I didn't know that they had Josh Allen who's apparently a legitimate NFL caliber quarterback. That's scary in and of itself just because you're starting a couple of uh, fresh faces over at uh, corner. You lost one of your safeties to an ACL injury. The other one is known more for his ability to hit than his ability to cover, so that's a little bit scary in and of itself. But I think that they they can do it, especially if they run the ball like they can. 
running the ball, I mean, what we always say that that's what how Iowa football is going to win, right? Iowa football needs to run the rock. They need to do it successfully, and they'll win football games. And it gets tired. To, I'm sure people are tired of hearing that, but that's, I think, how they're going to have to win this game. Yeah, ball control is going to be super important. You obviously don't want to put the ball in Allen's hands. So if Iowa can just continuously convert on those third downs, third and short, get the ball moving, flip the field, I'm with you. I think everything's going to be just fine in Iowa City this weekend. But there is a little bit of a cause of concern whether they've lost their 1,800-yard running back from last year and all of those receivers that caught most of the passes. Tanner Gentry's on the Bears now, and he's still catching bombs from the new savior of the Bears. But <laughs> when you have a guy that is expected to be a top five pick almost, I think they're even saying that he could potentially be the number one overall pick this coming year. You have to have cause for concern, especially, at least to me, after what happened with North Dakota State. Wentz wasn't even the quarterback last year, and they came in and controlled the game from the get-off. And it's it's a little nerve-wracking because I don't know what it's going to be like, and it's the start of the season. We haven't seen anything yet. But obviously, as the optimist, you know it's it should all be okay. Tell me it's going to be okay, Max. All right, so we are recording this on a Monday. It's going to come out later this week, but that doesn't mean that we shouldn't at least do one of our first segments, I think, that we're going to bring to the show. We run over Reaction Monday every week on the site, and for those that know this, JP and IC usually takes care of it. Matt ran it today. I, I'm kind of throwing this at you blindly, Max, but I'm curious if you could re- overreact to one thing in terms of this weekend's game against Wyoming, what would your overreaction be? Oh. Yeah, this is a little bit blind. Put, All right, let's put you see. on the spot. On uh, off the top, the first thing that I was thinking of when you said concern is how much of a chance are they going to give Nathan Stanley to kind of do what he can do in this game? Because it would be very Iowa football just to say, "Hey, we're just going to throw you out there. You're going to manage it and you know, kind of acclimate yourself to the college game." But I think that you know, if they're going to put him out there and they're not just going to pick a game manager, like or as Tyler Uyghurs is often kind of considered, uh, I think that they need to let him do what he does, and they need to give him the ability to throw the ball downfield, make plays from the pocket, maybe make some plays with his feet. But they, I feel like that's what I need. To, that's why I would overreact to is they need to get that done, and they need to let him make an impact himself. I'm I'm kind of curious to see who that guy is that he's built the rapport with because I don't know if that I've seen that. Have you? On like the guy that he's targeting the most in practice or his go-to receiver in time, like third downs, is it is it Fant? I would guess it would be Fant just because he's a giant target. But have you seen anything like that in terms of his production? No, when you watch the videos, and you, of course, you know you don't always see who the guy throwing the ball to him is. But in the wide receiver videos, they did a they did show a lot of uh, Smith Marset, and Smith Marset was catching a lot of balls downfield, and I would assume that if you're going to show the ball going downfield with the quarterbacks that they have on uh, staff, you'd be showing the guy with the big arm to, getting it down there. So maybe the freshman, but the freshman, that guy also didn't crack the depth chart at all. He's the one that's the, the sprinter, right, from Jersey that had offers to Rutgers, and he spurned them and ended up coming here. That's Do I have that right? Yeah, he's the he was the guy from Jersey. He was he was going to there. He uh, then decided he wanted to either go to Minnesota or Iowa, and thank goodness he did not go to Minnesota. <laughs> Didn't want to go row the boat. I think I, you're right for thinking that. My overreaction is obviously going to be I, I've been tooting this horn, and I am the optimist. I think no fans going to have two tutties this week. You like think? I, 
I do. I think that Wadley's going to get him to close to the goal in the red zone, and they're going to do kind of what you said and give Stanley the opportunity. Maybe not. This is probably just me just wishing that they were throwing the tight ends again because I miss the days of the Ricky Rolls um, and seeing Tony Moiaki just flash over the middle wide, sticking open. Um, but that would be my overreaction. We're going to see some fun tight end play, and it's going to get everybody jacked up. That Ken keeps back in town. Yeah, the quarterback whisper. It's going to be interesting, yeah, because he's... He was the one that had all the success with these Iowa quarterbacks, you know. He's the one that had Stanzi, Tate, Banks, you know. Um, who, who am I missing? Who else was uh, he here for? He was, he was here for Vandenberg, yeah. Yep. Yeah, he was here for all of Vandenberg, actually. Maybe not the senior year. That was uh, the first year of the Greg Davis experiment, was it not? 2012? Yes, yes it was. And it didn't go very so, well. So, yeah, I mean, he's had some super great success with Iowa quarterbacks in the past, so... That bodes well, I think. I think that you know he that we will see a lot of throwing. I think that we will see some successful quarterback play from Stanley, and maybe not for, if, if maybe if not from Stanley, then maybe Uyghurs down the line. If it ends up being more of a competition as the season goes on, worst case scenario. Any sort of overreactions for the defense? Uh, just cornerback play, safety play. You know, it's that's the only real mixed bag that we have here is. We know who the linebackers are. The linebackers are rock solid. We know who the defensive line is. We know, or, you know, with the exception of Epinesa, but Epinesa is supposed to be real, real solid as well. So I'm not really worried about the line. It's all going to come down to whether or not they can stop it if Allen's able to get it off in the air. Yeah, I'm with you 100%. Phil Parker's been bullish on this front four and. There's a lot of question marks in the secondary, especially with, especially with uh, Rogumbo out. Like you said earlier, Miles Taylor just lays the hammer down, and then there's just a bunch of – I mean, they're walk-ons starting, it looks like, in the depth chart. So who knows? I, if the ball's up in the air, I do trust that these guys can make a play on it, and I guess we'll, we will see from there. Yeah, Jackson's been solid for the most part. You know, he was – really put out there as a freshman in the nickel or as a, the nickelback more often than not uh but he was put out there for the last couple of years now in that kind of position and he was pretty solid he finished out last season and uh when uh Mabin got hurt and he was still pretty decent uh other than that it's a lot of unknown and because it's so unknown i think it's time for you to finally put it on the line the pants predicts managing editor i will give you the floor what do you expect this week? Give me your MVP of the game and tell me what the final score is going to be. I'm going to say that if Iowa wins, they're going to win with a few rushing touchdowns in there. I'm going to say they're going to get three rushing touchdowns, two from Wadley, one from Butler. Uh, I'll give Stanley one as well. Stanley can throw one. Probably, probably to Vandenberg just because Vandenberg always seems to be the guy that's catching touchdowns. He's always wide open in the end zone somehow. I'm going to say that, you know, they're going to get a handful of touchdowns if they're going to win this thing. Defense, they need to show up big. I expect Wyoming to put some points up on the board. Maybe not a whole lot, but I'd say maybe, you know, like 35-21. Like, it's not going to be a super comfortable game to watch. Going in early on some of the ugliness. I want to agree on the point total for Iowa. I was kind of hovering around that same 30-35 to mark. I think Allen's going to get a couple touchdowns, but I don't think it's going to be anything more than 17. So I'm going to go 35-17. Um, and I think this isn't close. I think Iowa has control of the game from the onset, and maybe there's a couple late touchdowns 
uh, from Allen slinging it around the field and Iowa's secondary kind of gets a little tired or is just not prepared for it. But that's kind of where I'm at right now. I think it's going to be a fun weekend to finally get some Iowa football started. And I mean, it's it's the week before everything's everything's rainbows and butterflies right now. Right. You know, everybody has high hopes and everybody's really optimistic because they're looking forward to football season and expectations. There were almost non-existent at the beginning of the summer, but simply just because we're getting towards football, everybody's saying, oh, well, maybe like a seven win bottom, you know, bottom floor, seven wins. So we'll see. Do you buy the Northwestern hype, by the way? I think Fitz is a great coach. They can they can run the ball all day with Justin Jackson, but I don't really know what you're expecting there at quarterback. They lost Austin Carr, and Austin Carr was an absolute animal last season. So I think that's really going to hurt them offensively. But, you know, I expect them to run the ball down everybody's throats. I think that they'll, I don't know if they'll be as great as everybody's thinking they'll be, but I can see them, you know, winning seven games. Yeah, I'm, that's where I'm kind of at with them as well. I don't know if I buy them winning the Big Ten West like some others, J.P. Scott, <coughs> think that they're going to do, but... It's just Northwestern. I mean, this is the start of this is the first week of Iowa football. I'm not gonna about to go on the out on a limb here and start predicting that Fitzy's gonna get those guys up and running to go win the Big Ten West. No, yeah, I picked them as my sleeper for the conference, but that was simply just because nobody's winning the Big Ten East except for the three Giants on that side. So make picking anybody else in that isn't doesn't make sense, and you can't really call Penn State or Michigan a sleeper. And then on the west side, you know, people always expect it to be Iowa, Northwest, or not Northwestern, Iowa, Nebraska, Wisconsin. And so, I mean, it's got to be, if you're picking a sleeper, I think that the only actual choice to pick is Northwestern. But I don't think they're going to, you know, be world burning or anything of the sort. Yeah, I'm with you. All right, Max, anything else before we say goodbye from the first ever pants party? (sighs) No, I don't think so. I think that we're going to get a good game this weekend in Kinnick Stadium. I think that I was going to win. I'm hoping that I was going to win. It might be a little bit ugly at times, but I'm really excited for football to be back. I'm just excited for Iowa football. I'm hoping to get back out for some games this year, but it's going to be a fun one, I'm hoping. I was just about to ask you, are you going to Iowa City or are you, you watching near home? Uh, this this game I'll be definitely watching from home. Well, there you go, folks. Guys, thank you so much for listening to the first ever Pants Party Podcast. We will be trying to do these once a week. Um, as always, please make sure you go to blackheartgoldpants.com. Check out the site. We have a lot of stuff coming out this week for you all. It's game week. It's exciting. Let's go. Um, for Max, I am Jerry, and thank you. We'll see you later. See you guys.